Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Cool. Okay. Hey, God. So the video, the goggles, here's the thought. If God speaks, wouldn't it be nice to know what he's got to say? Like if he loves me, if he's got a purpose for my life, if he really cares, and his voice is real, then how do we know what it sounds like? How do we decipher that it's God? How do we understand what he's trying to say to us? So last week we kicked things off by talking about the will of God, sort of what we desire. If God knows things, I want to know what God knows. And the whole verse that we're rooting this series in is found in Colossians 3.17, where it says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. Another translation says, And whatever you do, everybody say, whatever. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wyatt, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on the verge of feeding back. Um, so if you could help me with that, that'd be great. We talked about um, three wheels of God's voice, God's will in our life. Number one, the works of God. These are the things that only God can do, the sovereign, purpose of, sovereign purposes of God. When God wants to do something that only God can do, God can do it. We talked about creation. We talked about um, the Israelites, the Jewish nation walking through the Red Sea and the, and the waters parting. We talked about these, the birth of Jesus, this miraculous birth. There are things that only God can do that, that God does. And so those are the works of God. We also talked about um, the, um, the ways of God, God's moral law, the teachings of Jesus, the Ten Commandments, be pure, be holy, be humble, be generous, be selfless. The ways of God are clear. God's ways are written down. They're in the book. And I love that. When it comes to the ways of God, we can know clearly it's, it's been revealed. But when we talk about God's will, what we said last week was in the, in the center of our bullseye is like the, um, the personal download of what God's got for my future. What career path? Where should I move to? Uh, what decision should I make? What, what, uh, what person should I spend the rest of my life with? All these big kind of personal questions when we want to know God's will. Speak to me, God. Quiet my heart. I'm listening. What's your personal download for Jono? What do you have for my future? The will of God. The concealed things. That's kind of where we get all freaked out and stressed out and worked up and, and where we have all of our big questions. God, what, when, where? And so last week's message was simply this. Get that out of the bullseye. Get that out of the center and replace it with the ways of God. How we live, why we do what we're doing, and who we're becoming are more important than when it's going to happen and what's going to happen and where it's going to happen. When we walk in God's ways, we'll discover God's will. That was last week. Part two. I went to look at an office this week. Kind of cool. Um, And... Uh, it was like a warehouse slash office, and we're thinking through our future a little bit. Um, you know, at some point down the road, we're going to need to get some other help with us in the office and, and just have some space to do what, what, um, what's in our future. And uh, So there was one office um, on the main floor and one office upstairs, and the upstairs office didn't have any windows in it. Ooh, yeah, somebody's like, ooh, right? Um, and how many of you love, like, natural light? Like, I love homes that have big windows, 
and offices that let in natural light. I think even scientifically health reasons, it's important to have that wash of natural sunlight in our work environments, in our home environments. And windows are fantastic because they help us um, see clearly. They bring in light. They bring in brightness. They let us see. And windows are really important uh, in our homes, in our businesses. And so today I want to use a window to talk about God's voice in your life. Is that okay? All right. There are three windows that God wants to use in our life uh, to bring clarity, to hear his voice. One, two, three. So we're going to talk about three windows. And we're going to look at um, a really old story from the Jewish history. In the Bible, it's actually in the book of Genesis, chapters 25 through 28. It's a whole big chunk of, I'm not going to read it all. But if you've got kids, I'd actually love for you this week to go through Genesis 25 through 28 and just reread the story of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Isaac's sons, Jacob and Esau. Because it's a pretty amazing story. Um, and part of how God made a covenant with human beings in the first place. Uh, and so we can read about it, Genesis 25 through 28. But in Genesis 25, um, Abraham had a son named Isaac. And then Isaac um, had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau was born first. And they named him Esau because Esau means hairy. Isn't that awesome? Like, what's your name mean? Hairy. Because the Bible says when Esau was, was born, he was covered in red hair. That's uh, kind of weird. but And, and a close second, uh, almost a tie in the birth canal, was Jacob. Because he was holding on to Esau, his baby twin brother's heel. The Bible says when, when Esau and Jacob were born, Esau came out first. Jacob came out a close second, clutching his brother's heel. And so the name Jacob means heel. I think we should maybe use this as a marker for childbirth in the future. Whatever weird things take place in the uh, birthing experience, that's what we name our kids, right? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a terrible idea. But um, here's the thing. Jacob didn't like his place in life pretty much from day one. He didn't like being the younger brother. And in that culture, when you were the oldest son, you were given the blessing. You were given the birthright. You were pretty much given the keys to the kingdom. And all the other siblings had to learn how to submit to and serve you as they grew up. And so Esau, by birth order, was, was in charge of all of the parents' all the parents' affairs. And, when, and one day when his dad would, would, would die, Esau would inherit everything. And Jacob didn't love that. So we read in Genesis 25 and on um, about this story about Jacob being jealous. And what's cool is, is they were very different in personality. Esau covered in hair. He was actually very outdoorsman. Like his favorite store would be like Cabela's, okay? Um, he, he hunted. He, he gathered. Um, and then Jacob, on the other hand, heel boy, second place, his favorite store would be like the Apple store. Like, you know, he's like into like, or, or maybe uh, he, he would read like Better Homes and Gardens magazine. And then and Jacob would read like Hunter's, is there a hunting magazine? I don't know what it's called. But uh, Jacob was more like an at-home kind of guy. He was a bit of a mama's boy, the Bible says, and he loved to, he loved to just, like, be around the house. And, and so uh, one day, uh, Jacob's at home, and he's cooking, and I think he was a really good cook because the Bible says Esau came in from hunting, and he was ravenously hungry, and he said to Jacob, Jacob, whatever you're making, it smells so good. Feed it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me fast because I'm going to die if I don't eat something. He was hangry. He was more than hungry. And the Bible says that Jacob had this idea. He's all like, you know what? 
I'll give you some stew if you give me your birthright. Like, that's got to be the worst trade in all of history. In all of history, that's got to be the worst trade. Like, my entire blessing, my covenant with my dad, this family lineage, the firstborn son, I'm going to trade all of my rights and privileges to you for a bowl of soup. Great idea. Because Esau said yes. Here's the thing. As, I, as we understand the human condition, we do this all the time. We choose temporary pleasures at the expense of the future that God's prepared for us. We do this all the time. We laugh at Esau and say, how could you? But we do this all the time. Esau traded a temporary pleasure, a bowl of soup, for his birthright. The story goes on in Genesis 27 when um, Isaac was old and, and, and nearly departed. It was time for him to lay his hand on his eldest son and actually speak the blessing and, and bestow the birthright. And you can read about it in Genesis 27. I'm kind of recapping this. And so Jacob, the younger brother, deceived his father, whose health was failing, whose eyesight was failing, and his mother helped him. He prepared a meal. He actually covered his own body in, like, furs and skin so that he was, appeared to be more hairy. And he like, he, like, changed his voice a little bit to try and talk like his brother Esau. I don't know why Esau talks like this, but Jacob talks like this. And so he goes into his dad's tent, and his dad's like, who's there? And Jacob's like, yo, it's Esau. And Jacob's, uh, sorry, Isaac is like, really? really? Is that really you? Come, come closer. I, I, it doesn't quite sound like you. <laughs> yeah. But um, Jacob uh, goes to his dad, and Isaac, like, starts to, like, touch him. He's like, oh, yeah, you're really hairy. You must be Esau. And, um, and then he lays a hand on his head, and he prays a powerful blessing, giving him all the rights and privileges to the to the family estate, and, and he makes this declaration that your siblings are going to serve you, and, and everywhere you go, you're going to be blessed, and it's a powerful blessing. And Jacob leaves, and Esau comes in moments later and brings his dad a meal and says, Dad, I'm here for my blessing. And his dad's like, wait, who, who are you? And he's like, I'm Esau. He's like, you can't be Esau. I just prayed over Esau. And he's like, no, I'm actually Esau. And he says, come close. And the, the, gig is, the, the jig is up. So the, the, the point is that Esau begs his father Like, don't you have something for me, Dad? Did you give it all to Jacob, that conniving sneak? Did you give it all to him? And so uh, his dad's like, you know what? Here's what I got. Life's going to be hard for you. You're going to be on the move. You're going to have to hunt and kill everything you need. And your brother's always going to be ahead of you. That's your blessing. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that. So Esau leaves the tent, and he's mad, and he commits. He says, as soon as my dad dies, I'm going to kill my brother. I'm going to take everything. And, and this is kind of where we pick up the story of the windows through which God speaks to Jacob in this season. And this story is incredible for us because as we think about the words that we speak and whatever we do and committing our life to the ways of God as we, as we seek to understand his will for us and recognize his voice, the three windows that God uses to speak to Jacob hold true for all of us today. And so number one, the first window is, wait, babe, did we say red worked better or white? White. Thank you, dear. Um, The first window that God speaks is through the influence of others. Did you know that there are, yes, people in your world that God wants to use to communicate his heart? 
Through the influence of others, God's voice can be heard. Genesis 28, verses 1 through 6, when Esau's angry and Jacob is scared for his life, his father comes alongside. Despite the deception, despite the heartache, despite the hurt, his father with love comes along and says, Jacob, here's what you need to do. You need to go to the land of your uncle Laban. You need to find a wife. You need to settle down. You need to give your brother some space. And, and the blessing I spoke over you is going to work wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you are, but you need to leave. And God uses Isaac, Jacob's dad, to speak direction to his life. And again, you can read about this in Genesis 28. But I simply want to say don't underestimate how God can use the right person to speak clarity and to help you see clearly. I've told the story before, but when I was um, 19 years old, I was in a really dark place. Uh, I'd been engaged to be married to a woman that is not Nicole, and she dumped me out of the blue, and I was, I was in a deep cloud of hurt and heartache, and I was living in Vancouver, and I really felt like the stirring, like God had something for me, but I couldn't hear his voice. I was just so hurt and so broken, and my parents were living in Winnipeg, and they called me, and they said, son, we've been praying for you. We've been praying, and we just know, we just know that we know that God wants you here in Winnipeg. I was like, right. You want me to move from Vancouver to Winnipeg? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about that. Yeah, for sure I am. Not. Right? There's like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to pray about that. Vancouver's home. I would rather wallow in my misery in beautiful Vancouver than, uh, you know. So um, in, in that story, there's another encounter with a perfect stranger who I'd never met, um, just a, a person sitting on the street that stood up as I walked by put both their hands on my shoulders, and then just spoke to me, read my mail like they'd been reading my journal, and it wrecked me. I went home that day, and I called my parents, and I said, you know what? I don't know why, but I think you're right. And my parents were like, we know we're right, son. As a matter of fact, we bought you a one-way plane ticket from Vancouver to Winnipeg. You leave in three days, and we've paid for your first year of Bible college. All you got to do is get here. But you've already done that? Yeah, it's done. And my parents had such faith. You know, God used my mom and dad to help communicate peace to my life, to open up the possibility of even hearing his voice for like this big step I was going to take. Who is in your life that God wants to use through the influence of someone else to communicate his heart? A fellow was stuck on a rooftop in a flood, and he was praying to God for help. He's like, God, help me. The floodwaters are rising. All of a sudden, this... uh, this canoe comes by, and the guy in the canoe's like, hey, bud, do you need help? Hop in. And the guy on the roof's like, no, no, I've got faith. I've got this. I prayed to God. He's going to help me. You carry on, sir. The guy's like, okay. Canoe's away. And the guy on the roof, the floodwaters are rising. He's desperate. He's getting frustrated. God, where are you? All of a sudden, this, this motorboat pulls up. And guy, the, the, he's like, hey, dude, you look like you're in trouble. Hop into the boat. Uh, let me help you. Let me take you to safety. The guy's like, no, no, we're good. I got this. I'm, I'm a man of faith. I've been praying, and uh, God's going to help me out here. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever, but tears off. Floodwaters are rising, getting, like, cresting the roof, and he's up at the very peak, and he's getting scared for his life, and all of a sudden, a helicopter. He's like, a helicopter comes and, and drops this rope ladder, and this Coast Guard leans out and goes, hey, man, grab the rope ladder. We'll take you to safety. And the guy's like, no, thanks. I prayed. And the waters rose, and the guy drowned. The guy gets to heaven, and he's, God, like, hello, I'm a man of faith. I trusted you. And God's like, I sent you a canoe. 
I sent you a motorboat. I sent you a flipping helicopter. What more did you need, right? And sometimes we get so focused on the spectacular, supernatural things that we think we, we, we desire or we need to hear from God, and God's going to send somebody. God's going to send a person. God's going to use a human being to communicate his heart. Don't underestimate how God can use the right person to speak clarity and to help you hear his voice clearly. One of the windows that God has designed for you to see him, to hear him clearly, is through the influence of others. Husbands, do you know that God could use your partner to speak to you, his heart, his voice? We're like, wait, really? Yeah, I've got like the Holy Spirit, and then I've got like the Holy Nicole in my family. And, um, you know, ladies, same holds true for you. God could use your, your amazing covenant life partner to communicate his heart. Teenagers, do you know that God can use your parents to speak to you? Come on. Wait, wait for it. Parents, did you know that God can use your kids to speak to you? Do we get so familiar with the people that are in our world? Do we get so accustomed to and so used to the human beings that are closest to us that we miss the voice of God speaking through them? God sent Jacob a father. God sent him a human being. Maybe you don't have a great mom or a great dad, or maybe you don't have a lineage of faith, and maybe you don't have a history of grandparents who loved you and have been praying for you, but you do have a spiritual family. And maybe just maybe somebody in this room is going to come alongside and help you fine-tune the voice of God in your life because God wants to speak through the influence of others. Some of us are so jaded by humanity that we don't trust anybody. We've been burnt. We've been hurt. We've been let down. We've been broken. So we don't, just, we don't trust people, and yet we long to hear from God. And God's like, you got to soften that heart of yours because I'm going to speak through somebody, through the influence of others. Next, God wants to speak through our life situations. Our life situations. You know, Jacob's situation was brutal. Let's be honest. He was, a, he was a deceiver. He was a liar. And now he's fleeing for his life. So he created this anarchy, this life situation. And he's on the run. He's on the move. And we can read about it in Genesis 28, uh, verse 3, that even in the middle of of Jacob being alienated and fearful, in the middle of that life situation, God is still speaking blessing. Jacob didn't ask for the life situation he was in. However, some of his choices led him into that. But he, maybe he wouldn't have predicted that his, that his brother Esau would have lost it and, and sought to kill him, but that's what happened. When we encounter a life situation that we didn't ask for, how are we trusting God and how are we allowing him to speak to us? Because here's what I've often found when we go through life situations we didn't plan for, especially ones that feel difficult or painful. We assume that God is speaking things like, I don't really like you. Right? When we go through a life situation that's hard, sometimes we think God is saying things like, I love, I love those people more than you. I, I don't really like you. Let's see how you handle this one. Or I'm not as good as they say I am. Good luck. I hope this works out. These are the whispers that we hear that we think God is speaking through our life situation. Genesis 50, there's a story about Joseph 
and he goes through horrible life situations because of his brothers. And through it all, at the end of it, he says this to his brothers. He says, um, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's being done. What if God wants to speak something else through our challenging situations? What if God doesn't say, I don't like you? What if God doesn't say, I'm not for you? What if God isn't saying, I like other people more than you? What if he is saying, I know this is hard and that you can't see the other side, but will you trust me in the journey and believe that I will accomplish good through this? Will you trust me in the journey and believe in this life situation that my voice can still be heard and I can still bring you through the other side? This week was particularly emotional for our family. For my wife, Nicole, and I, and our three kids, Julia, Riley, and Caleb. And April 30th marked a one-year anniversary of us physically moving from Winnipeg, Manitoba, to Edmonton to launch a brand-new church community. And at the one-year mark, we spent time together as a family talking through the last year. And one of the things that we talked about was some of the really, really difficult moments especially with our kids, leaving their family, leaving their cousins, their relatives, leaving friends who who have been like family uh, for a lifetime, leaving a church community that we were immersed in and and believed in and loved, and, and just knowing that God had led us out into something new, and all that cost us as a family, all that required of us. And as we talked, we were talking about some of the more difficult moments. We were talking about schooling, and how um, finding the right school was a challenge, a right fit where our kids felt at home and felt safe and felt nurtured and educated and found, found great friends. And We were talking through some of the specific people we met in a season that felt really, really hard. And how in the middle of hard, God used that life situation to continue to reinforce and communicate his heart, to continue to speak to us softly, that we were in the right place at the right time. Can you, can you hang in? Trust me. I know this is hard right now, but we're going we're gonna to see this through. And I did a lot of reflection this week about our life situations and how God wants to use what we're going through to continue to reinforce his heart for you, not against you, with you, that he still has a plan. He's still got a purpose. God speaks through unwanted, adversarial life situations to communicate his purpose and to communicate his advantage. Can you always see the will of God? Can you always hear the voice of God clearly through the window of your life situations? No, not always. That's why it's so hard. We can't see the end. We can't see the other side. We want our faith to paint pictures on the inside of our hearts to what this could become, but we can't always see it. What we can see is what he's done so far, up till now. What he's done for us in the past, what he's already brought us through. And that can give us hope and great courage and confidence that in our best moments and our darkest moments, God still speaks through our life situations. So he speaks through the influence of others. He speaks through our life situations. And third, he speaks through the leading of Holy Spirit. We continue to read in uh, Genesis about this guy, Jacob. And in Genesis 28, there's this amazing story about an encounter that Jacob has with God. And he, he finds a rock, and he lies down on this rock, and he falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, he, he has this vision, this dream, 
of a staircase coming down from heaven. Jacob gets a clear picture of something um, descending, something coming down. And, and there's this exchange, this sort of deeply spiritual, angelic encounter where the presence of God says, Know that I am with you, Jacob, and I will watch over you no matter where you go. One day, I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done all that I've promised you. And in that, we can pull the picture of what Jesus made available for us. You know, when Jesus died and rose and and went back to heaven, he promised that he was going to send a helper, and, and he did. We read in the book of Acts in the first century this account of God's Holy Spirit being like poured out into human beings for the first time in humanity. And what a gift that when we align our life with Jesus and we choose to trust and follow Jesus, that we have the fullness of God's Spirit leading us in every way possible. And I think we forget that sometimes. I think we get get believing that other people have God's Spirit, but I'm not spiritual enough. I believe in Jesus. I trust Him, but somehow I'm shortchanged. And that's such a lie because God wants to speak through your influence of other people and through our life situations, but he certainly wants to speak to us through the leading of Holy Spirit and recognizing what that feels like. Holy Spirit is with you, every part of it. There's a verse in, in, uh, in the New Testament, in the second half of the Bible, it says the same Spirit that actually raised Jesus from the dead, that much creative power and energy is what God's given you. And yet you think you're missing something. You think God's held back because he likes other people more. The Holy Spirit is with you. And we've, as we've matured, as we've gotten older, as we continue to do life in Christian community, talk with other people who are learning what we're learning, you know, that, that sense of Holy Spirit, that, that rising up from within that feels like peace in the middle of a storm, that feels like uh, a movement in, in the middle of uh, where we lack clarity, the, the direction, the heart, the calm, the rest, the trust, the voice of God's Spirit leading us as we make decisions, as we pray. I wonder, do you allow the influence of others and and do you allow your life situations and do do you allow Holy Spirit to communicate God's voice in your world? More importantly, this parable in in the book of Matthew, chapter 7 Jesus says, everybody who hears my teachings and applies it to their life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came, with fierce winds beating upon the house, it stood firmly because of the strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to their life can be compared to a foolish person who built their house on the sand. You know, God's going to speak through our life situations and through the influence of others and through Holy Spirit but he certainly continues to speak to us through his word. Because what I've discovered is sometimes I let the wrong influences speak to me. Then what? And sometimes the life situations I go through are a result of my own stupidity and my own failure and my own humanity and my own sinfulness and my own pride and my own brokenness. And then what? And sometimes the leading of Holy Spirit, what I think to be, is actually just that I ate too much cold pizza the night before, and I've got a little bit of indigestion, and then I react to that. It's not actually the Spirit of God. But one way I can be certain that God is speaking through the influence of others and through my life situations and through the leading of His Holy Spirit 
is if I always look at those things through the Word. We always look at what people are speaking into our life through the Word of God. Someone says to me, John, your marriage seems really hard. I think you should leave that woman. Nobody said that. But. And yet I know the Bible says God's heart for me in a covenant marriage is that we work through this and we stay married. Now, I'm not saying that's... I'm not saying I don't believe in divorce. Hear me. Okay? But sometimes when people say something to us, it gives us an easy way out. And we have to go to God's heart and say, what, God, what are you saying about this? Okay? Sometimes my life situations are saying something... And then the Bible says something so clearly. The revealed ways of God that he's written down for us are so clear in this life situation. And what it's asking me to do is contrary to something that God's written down. I can be certain that that life situation isn't leading me down a right path. Because we have to look at everything. The influence of others, the life situations, and the leading of God's spirit always through the window of God's word. The revealed, clear, written down when the influence of others is actually just a distraction, when our life situations are just the byproduct of humanity and stupidity, when what we interpret as the leading of God's Spirit is actually that cold pizza, we can always see clearly through the Word of God. And do you trust in that? Do you trust? Do you trust that the Bible, in all of its various languages and translations, still represents the heart and the voice of God the Father? Do you trust the process that throughout centuries of these amazing words deposited into human beings' hearts and written down on paper and shared and translated, compiled, do you trust that God's Word is still the voice of God? That it still brings life and light and clarity and brightness as we look through the window of God's Word to hear His voice? If in doubt, am I hearing this clearly, God? Test, weigh, and measure the influence of others through the window of God's Word. Test, weigh, measure your life situations through the clear, revealed, written-down window of God's Word. Test, weigh, and measure the leading of Holy Spirit through the window of God's Word. Because here's the cool thing. When you allow the, the Word of God to be the window through which you filter the influence of others, your life situations, and the leading of God's Holy Spirit. Word, influence, life, leading. You can trust that you're in His will. I don't know if that clears things up for you, but could it be that simple? Could it be that God's speaking clearly to every single one of us today? Could we look to a life lesson of this guy named Jacob who lived so far in our past, and yet God used the influence of his dad and a horrible life situation and an encounter with his spirit to lead him into his perfect will? Except you and I have an advantage over Jacob. God's spirit has been poured out in full. Jacob didn't have that. He had a mountainside, bedrock, dream encounter. We have a day in, day out, 24-7 encounter 
not lacking anything, not missing anything. And so my heart, my prayer, as we continue this series of knowing God's voice, this, hey, God, download to me, and God's reinforcing the truth, just walk in my revealed ways, walk in what I've clearly laid out for you through my written word, trust it. Ask questions, ask them to the right people, but trust my word. It holds weight and truth for today. And then allow my word to be the lens through which you filter the influence of others, your life situations, and the leading of God's Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are speaking to us. Thank you that in every situation, your voice can be heard. Often it's the, uh, the noise of ourself, the noise of what we're experiencing, the noise of what we're feeling, the noise of what our brains are telling us, that we can't hear you clearly. And so today we are reminded that we can trust the written word. We can always look to, um, to what you've communicated in writing for your sons and for your daughters, what you've laid out clearly. And God, that we would trust that your word is, is the right window to hear your voice, even as you use other people, as we trust other human beings to speak into our lives, the right people, as we walk through life situations that are steering our path, leading us, that it might even feel difficult or challenging right now. We can't see the other side, but you're speaking still. You communicate peace and direction. You bring us hope and understanding through your Holy Spirit. In all of these ways, God, you're speaking. You're speaking still. You're speaking clearly. We long to recognize, hear, and know your voice in our life. Not just when we're in trouble. Not just when we need something. But as an ongoing relationship with a God who loves us. We don't want to miss one word you speak, God. Everything you say is life to us. Quiet our hearts. We're listening, God. And with wisdom that we would allow the influence of other people and our life situations and the leading of your amazing spirit on the inside of us to continue to fine-tune your voice as we see you through the lens, through the window of your written word. We trust it, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.